A woman is given four months to live after her brain cancer diagnosis. She turns to chemotherapy, but soon she decides to make a switch to the alternative medicine. These alternative treatments seem to be working, and she is eager to share them with over 300,000 followers. Except it's all a lie. Belle Gibson never had cancer. According to her, she is an innocent victim that's been lied to. According to the world, she is one of the biggest modern-day frauds in Australian history. This is the story of the Instagram influencer who faked cancer. Hello, friends! You're looking at the title of this video, wondering why are we in Australia again, Maya? We just left Kelly Lane behind. What is going on? I truly did not mean to cover an Australian case this fast, but your water just tastes different, right? If you're wondering, like, what the hell are you on about, Maya? Well, may I refer to you to the case of Kelly Lane that we just left behind, who was an aspiring female water polo player who has hidden about six, well, five for sure, pregnancies, and then she was discovered when she was pregnant for the sixth time and made one of her babies disappear, and nobody to this day knows how, where, where the hell is baby Tegan. Or, may I refer you to another Australian case that is somehow even more, like, to the next level on this channel, and that is the case of Anu Singh, who was a law student who would invite her friends from college to dinner parties, telling them that she is in a suicide pact with her boyfriend, and then after one of these parties, only one of them will have ended up dead. So, yeah, definitely go watch those ones after you finish with this one <laughs> today. Oh, boy. So, a bit of a backstory, because I like to tell you how I find these cases. Whatever I would be watching in the past couple of weeks, this particular video would pop up on the side. You know how you have the side thing on YouTube, which is, like, recommended stuff? Yeah, I'd be watching, like, Jimmy Kimmel playing these retarded games with his guests, and on the side it would be like, I never had cancer, Belle Gibson, The Influencer Con, 60 Minutes Australia, every single video. And I, I have no willpower, guys. <laughs> I just have no willpower. But Belle... <laughs> Bell calls for a trigger warning. If, like me, you also have zero willpower and want to go through this video and then watch that one, 60 Minutes Australia, which I will try to overlay here, but copyright reasons, you know, it might get removed, so you might have to watch it for yourselves. Uh, I just want to let you know something. If you yourself have gone through cancer, if you have friends, family, like me, who have gone through cancer, whether they have successfully went through their treatment or whether they have succumbed to cancer and died, this one is going to get you incensed. Especially if, like me, you have multiple friends, family members, my grandma died of cancer, and I just cannot comprehend it on any level. So I decided to research it. I just want to give a trigger warning if this is not something that you want to listen to, that you think you can today, just take care of yourself. There's plenty of weird ones, two of them that I just have named from Australia, if that is what you're interested in. And yeah, maybe this is the time to click out, because we're about to get infuriated. <laughs> we're about to get so, so angry. And by the end of it, you're just gonna be left with a feeling like, for what?
For fucking what? So, without further losing my mind just during the intro, my is the name. Gone Bad is the game. Gone Bad is the series that I do on this channel where I tell you a story about a person that has been living a normal life, just, you know, sitting with a fat ass, a bit boring, a bit of, like, 9 to 5 grind, and then one day they just decided to switch to crime. And today's topic is Belle motherfucking Gibson. So, let us begin. The year is 2009. In the US, Britney has just released Circus. Lady Gaga has just released Poker Face. Party in the USA is playing in all of the clubs. And half the way across the world, in Australia, Belle Gibson has just received some devastating news. She was told she only had at most four months to live. In her book, she would later recall this moment. I had a stroke at work. I will never forget sitting alone in a doctor's office three weeks later, waiting for my test results. He called me in and said, You have malignant brain cancer, Belle. You are dying. You have six weeks. Four months tops. I remember a suffocating, choking feeling, and then not much else. Usually, when you're given this type of cancer diagnosis, your life truly becomes race against time. Medical staff immediately gives you some sort of treatment, whether it is chemotherapy or they are looking to accommodate you the best way that they can for the remainder of your life so that the quality of your life is great for as long as you have. But Belle never went to the doctor. She had no conventional test results. She wasn't sitting in the doctor's office like she claimed in the book. Instead, she met a guy named Mark Jones, who told her that he was an immunologist and neurologist. According to Bell, Mark Jones would go home, so kind of like a home visit that your private GP would make. And he came to Bell's home with this machine. She said it's German technology. This machine would have lights and then two pads would kind of be detached from it. And one pad would be going under her on the chair and the other one kind of like behind her back. And these pads would measure frequencies. And when Mark used it on her, that's when he told her she has stage 4 brain tumor. A machine with lights on the front and... That machine was apparently German technology. There's a, two pads, two metal pads, one that goes below the chair and one that goes behind your back, and then that measures what I believe or remember to be frequencies. And what were the results? He said to me that I had a stage four brain tumour and that I had approximately four months to live. Why did you write in the forward of your book that you got this information in your doctor's office, that you got this prognosis in your doctor's office? Because I think that being open and telling people the way that it happened would um, not be understood. So and that people would be disappointed or angry for me, you know, not um, following 
what is the right way to go about this. So you lied because you feared you wouldn't be believed. Is that what you're saying? Um, it's not what I'm saying. After this happens, this Mark Jones guy that went in for a private visit puts her onto what is known as integrative medicine to improve the quality of her life for the remainder of it. So, integrative medicine is this healing-oriented medicine where a person assesses you as a whole. So, assesses your habits, assesses your age, your health, the type of lifestyle that you have. And then taking everything into account, they would suggest a diet and the lifestyle that you should be following, and then they would closely be monitoring that, seeing if it needs adjusting or if it works for you. Before we go more in-depth on that, let me tell you what this kind of prognosis would mean in reality, in real world, not in the cuckoo world where Belle Gibson lives in and where she has just been diagnosed. If you were to be given a brain tumor diagnosis, they would look at all these different aspects in order to give you the chances of survival and also to give you the amount of time that you might be able to live. So they'd look at your age, the type of tumor that you have, the stage where it's at, whether it is benign or malign, where it is in your brain, so what they can actually do. Can they even go through chemotherapy or do they need to resort to just looking at your lifestyle and giving you different types of medications? How effective the treatment would be based on all of that? And also your general health. Belle would never mention a doctor looking into any of that. Mark Jones did not care about her age. There's gonna be a whole ass debate in this video about her age. Don't even get me started on that yet. Or just like her health. Where in the brain this tumor is? And well, weirdly enough, Belle never really seemed to care or just be curious about any of these questions, which is kind of like the first thing that you would want to know when you were given something like a prognosis like this. Before we continue with Belle, I found an interesting stat. It says that generally, around 15 out of every 100 people that are diagnosed with a cancerous brain tumor will survive for 10 years or more after being diagnosed. So, Belle, unfortunately, was within the majority of the people that wouldn't live for that long. And with that prognosis, she did what most people in her position would. She consulted with Mark Jones. He did mention, you know, some changes in lifestyle. But he also told her that she needs to go through chemotherapy in order to function, in order to live up to that quality of life for the next four months. As she would be in the oncology department going to chemotherapy, radiotherapy sessions, in 2010 she realized that she needs to stop. Not because of anything in particular. In fact, Belle Gibson still looks like a picture of health. She always has, like, nice makeup on. Her hair is more luscious than mine will be, even without a fake cancer diagnosis. And she is just looking as healthy as it gets. And not just that, but the reason why she stops going to chemotherapy sessions is because Belle is pregnant. 
As with everything else in this story, the information on her personal life is limited. But let us dive into that sort of for you to be able to like wrap your head around why Belle might be doing any of this and just who she is as a person before we pick up with her pregnancy and her giving birth to this child. Belle was born as Annabelle Natalie Gibson on the 8th of October 1991, and she was born in Tasmania. She'd moved with her family from Tasmania to Australia when she was young, and she'd lived with her family in Brisbane in the family home until she was 12. She would attend Wynnum State High School in Queensland and then would drop out of high school in year 10, and she would later claim that she dropped out of high school. Well, there's different versions of the story. One was to be homeschooled, and the other one was because she had to take care of her family. Hear me out. <laughs> she would say that as soon as she started school in Australia, her mom would say, my daughter is all grown up now. She can do everything for the family. So Belle would be going to school, then she would come from school exhausted, but she would have to do all of the chores. She would have to go do grocery shopping herself, take care of all of the family's medical appointments, take care of her autistic brother. She'd say how she didn't have any toys, and it was completely on her shoulders to take care of her whole family, and because of this pressure, she had to leave her home at the age of 12. After this whole sham came to life, Women's Weekly would interview both her mother and her brother, and they would say this is just something that Belle does. She's used to lying from a very early age. Her brother isn't autistic, he would have just confessed if he was, and her mother said that she did leave house when she was 12, but that she did leave it because in her early teenage years, she was kind of involved in the skateboarder community. I mean, she had a completely different look, like nobody really knew that this would be the lifestyle that Belle would continue in, like, as in the influencer not being a fraud as a lifestyle. But rather, she started chatting up online with people in the skateboarder community, and she befriended, befriended somebody who was 60 years old and initially moved in with him. Nobody elaborates on this. Don't get me started how much this pisses me off. Like, why was this not controlled? Why was this just allowed? But it was. And then she stopped keeping in touch with her mom and her brother. So we really don't know anything about Bella's life between her age of 12 and, like, late 17. We know that she moved from Perth to Melbourne in 2009, and this is where she would be diagnosed with cancer and when she would get pregnant. Here in Melbourne in 2009, she will carry the pregnancy all the way through, so well past her prognosis when it comes to the brain tumor, and she will give birth to her son that she named Olivier. She's 18 years old at this point. And again, we really don't know what happens in Belle's life for the next three years. We only know that in 2012, Belle is dating a guy that's called Clive, 
and here she would say she suffered through a miscarriage. She never married this guy, but to this day I think she lives with him, and that he has kind of taken a role of a stepdad with Olivia. Also, just another thing to note, people have tried interviewing Clive and getting him to speak about everything that happened and sort of like what kind of relationship he has with Belle, and any time he would, he wouldn't go beyond saying that the two of them are just roommates. That he still lives with Belle, but he pays the rent, and he just kind of stays there and takes care of her and her child, which would be the longest roommate relationship ever. But sure, whatever you want to believe in in this story, because truly, whatever comes out of Belle Gibson's mouth is always complete lies, so... Clive's there. Hey, at least that kid has a father figure for the past however many years. Decade, probably. Math. Can't do it. Had this story ended here, with Belle having a family unit, having a nice little son, supposedly surviving the terminal brain cancer, it would have been great. Amazing. We wouldn't be here. But then 2013 comes around, and Belle decides, I mean, her son is growing up, he has this stepdad figure in his life, it's truly time for her to share her experience with cancer, and to finally tell the world that she has had terminal cancer, and exactly what steps she had taken, not only to improve her quality of life under terminal cancer, but to survive it to go into remission. In 2013, she would create an Instagram account under handle Healing Bell that she would accompany with a book and an app to go alongside it. The book and an app would be called The Whole Pantry, and she would develop both of those projects when she was only 21, so in 2013. Between 2013 and 2014, she would ensure to work with Apple and try to develop the Apple Watch-specific app for the Whole Food Pantry. She would also make sure that the book is distributed to all the publishing houses to become a blockbuster, which would in turn make her win an award at this Cosmopolitan Honors event, where she would win in the social media category for Fun Fearless Female Award. The whole premise of the whole pantry, both the app and the book, would be to share recipes. That would be, like, on the surface. But it was more there to represent a lifestyle, to share Gerson therapy that helped her through cancer and going to remission, to share sometimes anti-vaccination views, certain alternative holistic approaches to medical practices, including consumption of raw milk, as in non-pasteurized milk, like milk straight from the cow's tit. Bella, Bella, Annabelle. Annabelle, even as a lover of the cow's milk, I don't condone this behavior. But, more importantly, do you know what Gerson therapy is all about? Because I didn't, and apparently it's, like, super popular and widespread in the world. So let's talk a bit about that, just so you get the gist what she was all about through this whole pantry shit. People who get into Gerson therapy say that if you change the nutrient intake, if you change your diet, it can help you to treat cancer. And their outlook on life is sort of that cancer 
is a symptom of disease of the whole of the body. So basically, if you manage to strengthen your immune system to get rid of the toxins in the body, then it can bring your body to the normal, healthy metabolic state, which means the body would heal itself from cancer. This is dangerous. Don't do it. I can't even wait to tell you what everything is all about before I tell you don't freaking go through this shit. So this regimen has three different parts. First, this Gerson therapy consists of the vegetarian diet that's made up of fruit and vegetables mostly, and kind of only, that are low in salt, in sodium, and high in potassium. Apart from literally vegetables, you can only take other vitamin and mineral supplements, and also coffee or castor oil enemas. Why, you might ask, are you only eating fruits and vegetables and making sure that all of this food is low in salt? Well, because Gerson therapists believe that people who have cancer have too much salt in their bodies. And this is compared to too little of potassium, so you're kind of trying to balance that out. You're drinking this much caffeine in order to excrete toxins from the liver and your colon, and you are eating this amount of fruits and vegetables just to restore the right balance in the body, you know, make your immune system strong. And when it comes to vitamins, supplements that you are taking, those are to help the body get rid of the cancer cells. And I just love this article, and this is from the NHS. After all of this bullshit, it just says scientific research doesn't support any of these claims. There just haven't been enough test trials, enough experiments, enough scientific research into this to show that it works. And this is now, like, accurate information in 2021. So, sure as hell, there was not enough research back in the day in 2013 when Bell was looking into this, researching it, writing a whole book, and basing a whole app on it. So, you would have thought somebody who is really into wellness, into well-being, into making sure you give the right information to other people who have possibly been diagnosed with cancer would stop at this. Abort the mission. Not make a whole job out of it. Not make a whole life depend out of it. But if you think about this, Belle is working on the premise that she has had cancer, that she is in remission now, that she has lived through it. And she has to sell this lifestyle that apparently helped her improve her quality of life and then go into remission, that apparently helped her get rid of the cancer completely. And you have to think, at first, she probably thought, okay, you know, I might write like a cookbook, have an app, no, I might try to wing it, you know, whether or not it will work, we'll see. But then, with the amounting number of followers on Instagram, all of them buying the book, buying into this aesthetically pleasing lifestyle that she was selling, buying into this clean lifestyle, actually believing that this will help them get through cancer, and making her app go up in the charts, she realized there is money to be made here. She actually kind of had plans to do sort of like what WeWork had plans to do, and they aimed too high way too soon as well. You know how WeWork had plans to make, like, We Live? I mean, I think there is an app for it, but they had to 
they had the vision to make this like into a whole ass lifestyle of yeah having these different pods and everybody would want to collaborate and work together. Well, Belle had the vision to create the domain that she would have called the whole life. And in 2014, she was looking for the IT specialist to sort of help her build that website and that domain. And both the whole pantry app and the whole life would end up being registered to Clive, her partner slash roommate. And something that I don't want to get lost in this story is that she had this vision. She had this platform, growing platform, and growing sales and the money that she was accumulating from those sales because of the real people. Because of the real people that believed that somebody who is in remission, and we'll later talk will be going through cancer again, can be this picture of health, can be glowing, radiating, so young and doing so much to help others surpass it. There was Maxine, who read her book, followed her Instagram page and downloaded her app, who started adopting this plant-based diet where she would cut out loads of what Belle would call toxic ingredients. So, all of the animal products, all of the gluten, and all of the carbs. She said it was extreme and that she ended up being so underweight that she lost her period and, and her health started to deteriorate while still having cancer. There was another woman who gave perspective of why people trusted Belle, and she said she had other people vouching for her. She had Penguin House publishing her books. She was on her phone. App Store wouldn't have approved this if this wasn't legit. She was in magazines giving interviews. She was on the news. So, I trusted her. But most infuriatingly, she befriended this family, the Schwartz family, who she started chatting with on social media, probably through Instagram, after hearing of their son's, Joshua's, fight for life while Joshua was given four months to live when he was diagnosed with a rare tumor in 2013. The family couldn't turn to conventional therapies, they just weren't a treatment option for little Joshua, so they turned to clinics around the world. And of course, when Belle got in touch, well, they wanted to check out if her book, if her diet can help. Luckily, I actually haven't seen that they have engaged in this content. I have only seen that Belle exploited this situation to benefit her. She went to meet Joshua, she took a picture with him that we are gonna have to speak about a bit later as well, and she spoke about Joshua's story in her cookbook, and the parents said they never gave her permission to do this. So, she just exploited this family to serve her purpose, to sell the story better. By the end of 2013, Bella will get a bit too big for her shoes. In my opinion, she probably reached the plateau where she couldn't go beyond from without a human aspect of it. And I think that's why she used people's stories in her book. I think that's why she targeted Joshua and his family, because that gave her an angle. And the angle is that she publicly announced she will be donating $300,000 out of the proceeds from her book, from her influencing stuff, from the app, to different charities. Once again, could have stopped at this, 
But I also think what was going on through her brain is that really in order to relate to people, in order for her to stay relevant, to keep making profit out of all of this, she needed something more. Yes, if you say I'm going to donate X amount of money to charities, cool, that's great, but it isn't relatable enough. She had to have another cancer diagnosis, and this is when she went too far. Because in 2014, she said that her cancer is back, but it's not only back. Now it has spread to her blood, spleen, brain, uterus, and liver. In July 2014, Belle posted this picture on Instagram with a caption explaining how her cancer had spread. I have cancer in my blood, spleen, brain, uterus, and liver. I am hurting. I can still see it so clearly in my mind, that post and that caption, because I just remember feeling so devastated for her. Like, how can this happen? Now, if you recall, there's around 300,000 people following her on Instagram. So this one won't go as quietly. So during her next book launch, a journalist approaches her and just asks her to go have coffee with him. And I think at this moment, sort of like a light bulb went off in Belle's head and she realized like, shit, people are going to want stories. And if they start digging, they're gonna realize there are no medical records to support any of my claims. So during this coffee meeting with his journalist, she said that actually the doctor that first diagnosed her, Mark Jones or whatever the basic ass name that she invented was, actually he kind of stopped seeing her now after diagnosing her with four extra cancers. So she isn't really sure in his credentials anymore because she was definitely sure about his credentials the first time. And this is where she starts unrolling the thread of it was other people's fault. She just trusted the wrong people. The thing that you first notice about Belle Gibson is that she just doesn't look sick at all. Like, she's a picture of glowing health. But halfway through the interview, I framed a question which was something along the lines of, what about these other four cancers that you um, were recently diagnosed with? And she started this answer that just seemed to go around in circles and she was talking about the difficulties she was having. She was going to tell me something that she hadn't said publicly before. It was very difficult and upsetting for her. And I was just sitting there thinking, what, what is, where is this going? Like, what is she talking about? And she started telling me that the doctor who diagnosed her with these other four cancers uh, the previous year had shot through on her and she was no longer seeing him and she now had doubts about his bona fides. And so I said to her, well, what are you telling me? Are you saying that you're now not sure that you've got these other four cancers? After this, journalists, two others called Bill Donnelly and Nick Toscano started also looking into Bell. And what was easy to prove with Bell were her donations to charity, because there would be a paper trail of that. So they found out that she only donated around 7,000 to like 
random different charities instead of 300,000 she promised publicly. What was harder and took a lot longer was actually digging into Belle's background and trying to get her medical records. So Bue and Nick started looking into every single transcript of any interview that she had given, any newspaper clippings, magazine articles that they could find, and they realized that her statements in all of them are just inconsistent and just really vague on the details. So they called Clive, the partner, the roommate, and Clive was super oblivious. He said that Belle was on a flight to Sunshine Coast to like speak about her book or her app. So they email her with about 21 questions, asking for evidence on the cancer diagnosis and all of these donations, wishing for her to own up and also to show some qualifications on the topics that she has claimed to be an expert in with this book and an app. And after Belle just didn't respond to any of those questions, didn't have anything to show, Nick and Bue decide we have enough to expose the fraud. Well, rather the lack of transactions is going to expose that she is a fraud and she isn't actually transferring any money to charities. And by doing that, technically, we are gonna let all of the other people do the rest of the work for us. Because all of her followers are going to start being suspicious of Belle and everything she had ever written. And that will work into our favor because the story will finally get exposed. With her exposure, all of the organizations and book publishing companies that have supported her throughout the years were now also under scrutiny. Apple quickly removed her first from the Apple Watch, then from the whole app store. Certain book company publishers, like Lantern Books, started claiming that the validity of her story wasn't really required to be looked into before they could publish any of her books. Penguin withdrew the book from sale, but they also had to pay around 30,000 Australian dollars to Victorian Consumer Law Fund as a penalty, because they never validated the factual content that was in the book. Cosmopolitan, that gave her that award in 2014, decided not to strip her of it, because the award was reader-nominated and reader-voted. Like, yeah, let's make sure we punish these readers even more, somehow, because they believed her, rather than you fact-checking her life before giving her a freaking award. It's just the logic. Like, imagine somebody getting an Oscar without actually being in a movie. That's what's happening here. Like, you know, here's a whole ass award. We've never seen you in this movie. No, this person has just never been in a movie, but we have just given them the award and we are not taking it back. Good job. Also, the cancer research department from the Garvan Institute of Medical Research went public, stating that by failing to conduct fact-checking and providing... PR for Belle Gibson, the media was always complicit in her scam. As this is happening, Belle is trying to conduct some damage control. So she starts selectively deleting certain content, as if she doesn't live in the age of screenshots and people taking receipts. From this point on, every time that Belle would show face to the media, she would act as if 2009 was 
the worst period of her life, followed by 2014 when she was diagnosed with like four other cancers. And instead of owning up, saying that actually 2015 is the worst year of her life because suddenly she had to have a reality check and confess that she was lying, of course, in order to backtrack that, she starts saying that she's a victim. She has been a victim her whole life and she's a victim to everybody else and all of their diagnoses. She would decide to break her silence in this 2015 interview for the Australian Women's Weekly. This is where she would own up and say that she never had cancer. But she would also attribute her lying to how she was brought up. She would say she was neglected by her mother, who gave up on her by the age of 12, that she had to take care of herself and her brother since she was five years old. What she never said was that she was sorry, that she regretted any of her actions. So, the same magazine, just next month, published an interview with her mother, saying that she has invented all the claims about her family, including the one that her brother was autistic in the first place. But more importantly, while her mother's interview is published for the whole world to contradict Bell's claims, in May 2015, Victoria's consumer company started legal proceedings against her and her claims that she defeated cancer by the whole food diets. There are times when I wonder what would I do in certain stages during these stories, like if somebody was investigating me for fraud, what would I be doing? Would I be trying to save face? Would I be trying to give interviews? Or would I be trying to just like hide into my house and never show up on the street? You know, I also wonder in the plane if I was to like accidentally open the emergency door, like, am I just dead? Is there a point of saving me or the rest of the plane for that matter? And uh, this truly connects both of those fears of mine because, first of all, she decides to make one of the most public interviews, the one that was showing on the side of my YouTube page all along, but Everything from this point on in the story also feels as if I have opened that emergency door in the plane and we are all just flying out and nothing makes sense from this point on. Because she decides to sit down for an interview with 60 Minutes, I think that's like six TV networks, one of the Australian networks, and you guys do really great content and you guys also have really great journalists because this is when Tara Brown enters this story. How would you describe Tara Brown for the people, Maya? <laughs> Just the baddest bit. Just everything I aspire to be in life. Tara Brown, I don't actually know if I mentioned Tara Brown, but I should have, because she is of the Peter Scully fame. She has done an interview with Peter Scully and I have done a case on Peter Scully on this channel. I probably didn't play anything again for copyright reasons, in that one. But she sat for this half an hour, 35 minute interview with Belle, and I don't know how to say this in any other words, but this is the most bizarre shit that you will ever see in your freaking life. First things first, Belle's appearance. She has full face of makeup on, and most infuriatingly, 
I don't know what is going on through this girl's head. Just tell me, am I the crazy one here? Is she wearing the same turtleneck, the same skitty in Australian terms, which is also the coolest word ever that I have to use here? Is she wearing the same one that she's wearing in the picture with Joshua? Because that drove me incensed during this whole thing. You know, usually people, when they try to show up and save themselves from just they're being investigated, being a fraud, usually dress up in like something apologetic, like, you know, something white, like to show their innocence. She's like in pink turtleneck that she wore when she was trying to suck up to Joshua, who died after four years of having cancer. I just, while trying to exploit his whole family, just from the get-go, just from the first few minutes, I was like, ah, oh, this is not gonna go well for you, Belle. Whatever comes out of your mouth, this just, if you connect these two dots, you're already pissed. Tara was probably the best person to have an interview with Belle because she's just that no-nonsense person. Like, she will not let you go, like, without answering a question or without giving whatever bullshit answer you want to. She will really keep pushing for it. So... She kind of tried to push for an apology, because you really had to. You know, if Belle truly felt something for anybody that she had scammed, that would be the first thing coming out of her mouth. But Tara had to push for it. So Belle eventually said that she's sorry because she hurt those who meant a lot to her. thought that I did, and I was feeling well. Yes, but even then you misrepresented what you thought was your truth, which was all a big lie. Anyway, I'm really sorry. And it hurts me, and I beat myself up every day for how I have uh, hurt those who mean a lot to me. During this interview, Tara would expose that not only did she claim to have five different cancers, but she said that through 2009, she had three heart operations, two cardiac arrests, that she died twice on the operating table, that she had a stroke and was also diagnosed with brain tumor on top of that, to top it all up. She would say she still had the heart conditions, but she didn't go through the operations, so basically that she lied, because of the trauma that she's carrying from her childhood. And in her teenage years, somebody was stalking her. I mean, 2009 was a really bad year for you, wasn't it? You had three heart operations, you suffered two cardiac arrests, you died mm -hmm. twice on the operating table, mm -hmm. you had a stroke, mm -hmm. and you were diagnosed with inoperable brain tumour and given four months to live. Correct. And, and I do... Happened. I still have the heart condition and I was supposed to have surgery for that. You were supposed to have surgery. And I didn't. And, and why did you tell people that you had three surgeries? At the time, I think going back, I was late teens and I was going through a lot of emotional trauma and a lot of abuse at the time. And then it cuts to the clip where we see some pictures of Bella doing her skateboarding and looking like a completely different image that she wanted to represent, with Tara not elaborating much on the stalking thing, which makes me think whether or not she's lying about something so serious yet again. Rather, telling us that during her teenage years, Belle would go online seeking sympathy with a bit of a different angle. She would be chatting with her friends, telling them that she's 
on the hospital bed, suffering from, yet again, XYZ disease. Tara would read out all of these Facebook posts about her parents' surgeries, about her dying on the operating table, describing it in these graphic details, and then asking her, like, can you admit that you lied to all of this? And she just twisted and turns it around. I felt so dumb watching this interview because every single question, she just answers with like some ambiguous story. So here she says, well, Tara, if you had gone through what I had gone through, you would be a bit melodramatic. Well, Tara says, you were never in a hospital. You never went through this. At the time, Belle was living in Perth and was a frequent contributor to an online skateboarding forum. But instead of chatting about skateboarding, Belle was telling her friends an elaborate fairy tale, supposedly from her hospital bed, in not one, but three admissions for life-saving heart surgery. Were you in hospital at the time that you were posting these? No. I mean, we go into extraordinary details. I had surgery about seven hours ago. The doctor comes in and tells me the draining failed and I went into cardiac arrest and died for just under three minutes. I had the most intense bruising from the paddles when they electrocuted me back to consciousness. Mm -hmm. Minus the wires and constant throwing up of blood. Anyway, the procedure failed and I died. So you haven't read back through all of that, but I also think when you're young and have gone through the situation I had just gone through, you are melodramatic. I don't have... <laughs> melodramatic now? I mean, they, they're straight out lies. You weren't in hospital. You're claiming you were. Claimed you died twice. You didn't. Claimed you had two cardiac arrests. You didn't. That, that's not melodramatic. That's straight out lying. It Extraordinary is. lies. And if you lie about that and you go to those extraordinary lengths to create the story around that lie. Mm -hmm. How can we believe anything you say now? Tara, I have lost everything and I'm not here to regain it. But when you hit rock bottom, there is only an opportunity to be honest and to heal and to apologize. And then she just says, yeah, but Tara, I have lost everything. And once you lose everything, you can only be honest. Like, she just skivvies around answering every single question the normal way. When the two of them moved on to the topic of her actually going to the hospital, going to see the real doctor with real qualifications, she would actually slip up and say that she did. She had some MRI scans done. So after the interview, Tara actually went because they didn't have these scans and dug for them. And indeed, in 2011, Belle actually showed up at like an actual physical hospital and had MRI scans done. And she had those brain scans done because she suspected she had MS, multiple sclerosis. And what these scans showed was A, she didn't have MS, but more importantly, those scans would have definitely showed her that she didn't have brain tumor at the time. And this is two years before she went to the internet with this whole story, that she had brain tumor, that she was dying, that she had this cancer diagnosis. So she would have definitely known at that point that she didn't have any brain tumor. 
Then they move on to the topic of now her multiplying all of the tumors that she had and how they spread to different organs. And she said that she didn't intentionally lie here, but rather she actually believed those diagnoses. It was, again, other people's fault because they falsely diagnosed her, and she actually believed that she was sick. She believed she was dying, so that is why she managed to identify with all of the other families. She knew she wasn't sick. For a person living with brain cancer, you look incredibly healthy. So what did she do next? The whole pantry was born through Bill's own battle with brain cancer. In 2014, she sought out another quack, and guess what? He told her the cancer she knew she didn't have had spread. It was five years ago I was diagnosed with terminal cancer. Bill couldn't wait to share the awful news with her followers. With frustration and ache in my heart, it hurts me to find space tonight to let you all know, with love and strength, that I've been diagnosed with a third and fourth cancer. Belle says her new health guru told her the cancer was now in her blood, spleen, brain, uterus and liver. Unlike Mark Johns, this man does exist. But when we spoke to him, he denied giving Bell such devastating news because he's not qualified to diagnose cancer. He's saying he never, ever told you that you had cancer throughout your body. <laughs> did he ever say that to you? He did. So he's lying, you're not lying. I'm not lying. He definitely told me that my brain tumour is still present and that I have new and secondary cancers. In this story, if we are to believe it, Belle actually thought that her brain cancer not only didn't make her die even after her prognosis, after four months, but it's actually just like chilling in her brain for like five years and then it returned or it was always there, but now the cancer part of it resurfaced. I don't know how she pictures all of these things. For somebody to write a book on wellness and not to understand like a single bit out of it, is just beyond me. And then, possibly the most bizarre and the only silver lining about this case is when Tara asks her about her age. So, something that I haven't told you yet is that Belle, throughout her life, would claim to have been given different names, so four or five names, that her mom would have changed her names, even though we only know her as Annabelle, Natalie, Gibson, whatever, and that also some of her documents were under a different date of birth. So Tara asks her, how old are you, Belle? Because she knows of these claims that can be made public through the media. And again, just to give us all the baseline to show that she can't do anything but lie. And Belle says, I've always been raised as being currently a 26-year-old. So Tara, for the second time, says, well, it's a really simple question. How old are you? Then she says, I live knowing, as I've always known, that I would be 26. All of the tenses, use them up in the same sentence. Love it. For the third time, Tara is like, Bell, Bell, reason with me, for fuck's sake. It's like the simplest question in the books. How old are you, Bell? She says, I believe I'm 26, I have two birth certificates, and I've had my name changed four times. 
So Tara asks her, okay, when you go and actually use your documents to file any papers, what do you say? What do you do? And she says she uses younger of the age and the most recent of the name. So Tara asks her, currently, according to those documents, you are 23. To which Belle says, correct. You're 23, right? Well, actually, how old are you? Um, I've always been raised um, as being currently a 26-year-old. How old are you? Well, I live knowing, as I've always known, that I would be 26. Okay, Bill. Um, I've... This is a really, really simple question. How old are you? I believe that I'm 26. And I have two birth, two birth certificates and I've had my name changed four times. The identity crisis there is big, but that was my normal when I was growing up, Tara, that... What do you know the truth to be now? That's probably a question that we'll have to keep digging for, because it's not something I've ever understood or had answers around. So when you needed to file some financial documents, mm -hmm. how did you choose the birth date you gave, with if you my, don't know? With my most re recent default paper, which has... Um, the younger of the age and the most recent of the name. Right. So, currently, then, according to those documents, you're 23. Correct. This drove me insane. Like, if I get copyrighted and don't put these videos in, please just watch it for the sake of this. I just absolutely cannot with this. She was 23 during this interview. I don't know what you think about it, because usually you'd think, like, entrepreneurs or, you know, people trying to prove themselves in this industry would aim to show that they were younger. And also, like, if you are kind of wanting sympathy from people, you'd like to show that you were young, you didn't know what you were doing, you know, you were 18 at first when you claimed you had cancer. Like, this made my mind go in trance because I was just replaying it, being like, is there something actually wrong with her? And we all discuss different possibilities later. But this particular part, I was like, there's just no way, like, is she actually faking it to this degree that she can't answer any single question just simply? Or is it just, like, part of her story? Because she has been selling lies since she was a teenager. So why stop now? Because she has to fit that into the rest of it. This part just made me incense. <laughs> fucking incense. Just, I have never heard anything this weird in my fucking life. Then, during this interview, once they started discussing the actual money that the charities had received, which I said was around 7,000 instead of 300,000. So, as I mentioned, she publicly went, raised the money for the charities, praised the community for raising the money for them, and then said that the money was just never raised. So, in this interview, she explains to Tara that she went to the accountants and that it seemed like they weren't coming back to her. So the accountants here are at fault because they just never finalized any transactions. And it was only once the story was exposed to the media that some charities said that they received the money, and it was only then that they received that $7,000. And she ends the interview with Tara saying that she actually wanted to be the one to break the news to the media, 
about this, about the charities not getting the money because it was everybody else's fault. But that was only 10 days before the media broke it themselves. So she wanted to do it and uh, they rushed and took that opportunity away from her. Now it's media's fault. Now it's always somebody else's fault. So this interview was kind of like underwhelming, weird, bizarre, but underwhelming in terms of like actually getting answers. So it might come as a surprise, as um, another level of being infuriated, incensed with this story, to find out that Bella cashed out on it. Bella actually received $75,000, I think this is Australian dollars, to sit down with Tara Brown for this interview. So she just got more money. For the next two years, the consumer affairs, the government is going to be investigating her. And we kind of lose touch after that interview, like, what is Belle doing? You know, is she still trying to scheme? And before any charges were filed, before she gets any fine for it, she returns to Facebook this time, in 2017, under a fake profile. This fake profile would be under Harry Gibson, but it's clearly her selfie in the profile picture. And she started posting in this Facebook group called Master Fast System. I'm not sure if this Master Fast System group is run by her, but it's another one of those fed diet groups. And here, in this group, under Harry Gibson, she would be posting that this diet has done everything for her, from healing her cavities, shrinking her tonsils, and changing her eye color. People finally clocked that this was her, so they deleted this Facebook profile of hers. And in September 2017, she was fined. And she was fined 240,000 pounds, which is around $410,000. She was fined by the federal court for defrauding Australian consumers out of half a million dollars from the sales of the whole pantry app and the book. When she appeared in court, she said she is not in the position to pay that money, and the barrister for the state, right, for the consumer affairs, would say that she has actually spent $91,000 of that amount in the two-year period, but her lawyers said that Bell actually earned only about $35,000 instead of half a million. A big difference. And of course, she didn't accept that she actually spent all of that money, but they had proof, because they had her freaking Instagram page, that she traveled to Bali and Africa during those two years. There are broken down statements that I'm going to overlay on the screen about her actual earnings. She earned about $28,000 from iTunes, about $130,000 only as an advance by Penguin Publishing, and also then there is the amount of $300,000 that she promised to pass on as charity donations that were never passed on, believing that, well, she defrauded the Australian community out of that money for that money never to go to charities, rather to just be spent by her. So, after going back and forth with the courts of how she's going to split this, how she's going to pay these fines, in January 2020, the sheriff's office actually raided her home and seized any valuable items in order to contribute to these unpaid fines. The day after that first raid, a video surfaces 
of Belle Gibson. She is wearing a headscarf in this video and she is partially speaking in Oromo language, which is the native of Ethiopia, referring to Ethiopia as back home, saying how she has been adopted by the Ethiopian community after volunteering for four years, calling this adoption a gift from Allah. Let us just watch a brief clip of that, just for the sake of cultural appropriation and how she's unaware of it in the year 2020. Hi, today we met in Melbourne, Australia. Our diaspora community, Oromo community of Australia met to discuss the current uh, situation of Ethiopia, specifically Oromia, but uh, focusing on uh, Jawa Muhammad and uh, Abiy Ahmed and the current political situation. Our community, specifically the Jasa of Melbourne, discussed the current situation uh, back home. We covered the history of Abiy's uh, position in Ethiopia and his approach and response in the last 24 hours. And we came forward with a solution after that discussion. As soon as the whitey here appeared in a headscarf and said that she belongs to the community and started throwing names like, yeah, that will convince us, the president of the Oromo community made a public statement saying that she doesn't, and he has only seen her white ass about, like, three times. So, yeah, he doesn't claim her, and he doesn't want her to have anything to do with the community any longer. But this will be her last public appearance, rather her last voluntary public appearance. There will be some paparazzi pictures of where she lives, like people seizing different items from her house, you know, what car she drives. But really, this would be the last time that she would show her face in public. In her further court hearings, she would say that actually her trips were paid by somebody else, and that this can be proven by the deposits into her bank account of, like, smaller amounts, like 1,600 pounds. And then they would ask, well, who is depositing the money into your account, Belle? And she says she can't reveal that information. And from what I understand, I will overlay, like, a list of what she can keep, what she can sell. Basically, she can't well, use money to travel, to buy any, like, luxurious items. She can only buy, like, the necessities that she needs to survive. And, well, they are gonna be chasing her until she pays the rest of the fine. So, until she pays $410,000. So, from what I understood, this is kind of like a bailiff-like situation where they have a watchdog that is observing that she isn't doing anything and there are no transactions out of her bank account on any, like, expensive items, any expenditures, her going on trips. And that they kind of need to still decide if they're going to pursue it or if they are going to declare her bankrupt and basically claim all of that money for her to have to, like, start from minus $410 and then earn it back again. What I haven't seen is that she will ever see the walls of prison cells. That's something that I haven't seen, which is weird to me, as in, like, if they have to declare you bankrupt, doesn't that mean that you are in debt with the state, which would technically land you in prison? 
I don't know, man, white rich people are getting away with like loads of shit. So that in itself is the story of Belle Gibson, or at least what we have now until she probably publishes another book on her freaking autobiography that we won't really believe because it won't be the most credible source out there. So now let's go into why. Why did she do any of this? And here I really need your opinions in the comments because until I saw that 60 Minutes interview, I was kind of really just convinced that, you know, she's just this callous person who did it all for money. And then after that interview, I was just so confused. I think, like, something must be wrong up there. And, well, she won't get diagnosed for anything, as we know. So let's discuss what some possibilities could be. First, here, we need to talk about two different possible disorders that would explain something like this. And if you are immersed into true crime community, this first one might come as, like, a possible decent explanation. And that is Munchausen. Or, well, rather, you're probably more familiar by Munchausen by proxy cases, like Gypsy Rose, where a parent usually would truly believe that their child is sick, that they need to go have all of these visits to the doctors, to the GPs, that their child needs to take all of this medication, and that they are the ones to need to take care of them. Munchausen in itself, without a by-proxy bit, is also known as the factitious disorder. And the main intention of it is to assume the sick role, so that people care for you and that you are the center of attention. And the key is that you are lying to yourself, meaning that this is compulsive, but at some point you know that you're not sick, and that point is pretty quickly. Like, you know, as much as you can lie to yourself and others, at some point, you know that you don't need any medication, that you aren't actually ill. People with Munchausen behave in different ways. Some of them can pretend to have psychological symptoms, claim to hear voices, for example. Some can pretend to have physical symptoms, something like chest pain, stomachache, five cancers. Some try to actively get ill such as, like, deliberately infecting yourself with something that would get you an illness. And usually, it's not that one leads to the other, but the person escalates. Like, if discover they would move to a different area. Or, in serious cases, they can actually undergo something like a painful, life-threatening surgery, even though they know in their minds that it's not necessary. What stands out for me here is that Belle never did. Which means that, well, she knew, because even if she did have Munchausen, she would have known that she isn't sick. But she also just chose to keep going. She never did anything to endanger herself. Which, which just adds a whole new level of callousness, if you think about it. Like, she published a whole book, she published all these resources that could have damaged the others, that could have and did influence other people that actually had cancer 
but never did anything to damage herself. And some causes for the Munchausen syndrome can include some emotional trauma, distress that a person would go through during their childhood. And this would often result in them having medical attention there and get fixated on that and obviously seeking attention from, like, their parents and then everybody else. And here I really think we lack significant amount of information about her childhood, like, why did she actually leave the house? Because it's probably not just because she was lying. But there was probably something happening behind closed doors there that we just aren't looped in on. And in particular, I looked into the first bit, the trauma bit, because the other two bits I don't really see in this story. But, interestingly, as a result of a trauma that you experience through your childhood, you might have some unresolved issues with your parents. And because of this, you might feel the need to punish yourself by making yourself feel ill because you feel unworthy, or you might have the need to feel important and to be the center of attention, or feel the need to pass responsibility for your well-being and care onto other people. And psychologically, this is because you would associate any good childhood memory with a sense of being cared for. So, once you get older, you try to get the same feelings of reassurance, and the only way you think you will get them is by pretending to be ill. During the interview with Tara Brown, Tara did ask her, you know, do you think you have Munchausen? And Belle said no, like that she just firmly doesn't believe, which leads me to believe that she isn't looking for treatment. There are treatments for it. It's usually therapy, like cognitive behavior therapy or CBT. But I just doubt that she will even be looking for something like this. Maybe she doesn't actually have any form of disorder at all. Maybe she is just doing this for other reasons. But another thing I found interesting, because I went into a rabbit hole, I probably everybody switched off at this point during this video. So if you haven't, just uh, put rabbit in a comment for no context. So it's like also, if you haven't, true fan, make sure you like and subscribe and engage with the content. I see you, you see me, all right. So usually Munchausen appears in two different groups of people. And interestingly, one group is women who are 20 to 40 years of age. And this group usually has a background in healthcare. Now, Belle never had qualifications, but she was fully immersed into this. So, to some degree, you could kind of say that, you know, if she wanted to get diagnosed, Munchausen would probably be it. There's another syndrome, of course, I'm getting most of this information, well, from the internet, but also from Dr. Todd Grande, which I would, like, recommend watching. Like, if there is a video by Todd Grande on the topic that I'm researching, you can bet that I have watched it. So, he mentioned something that is called somatic symptom disorder. And this is basically whether or not you're diagnosed with a disease doesn't matter as much as you actually feeling the distress because of the symptoms that you believe that you have. So, in this case, you would often think the worst about your own symptoms, frequently seek medical care, just continue to search for an explanation as to what is wrong with you. 
So if we are to trust Belle in that interview with Tara, you could kind of say, okay, maybe she was really feeling as if she has had all of these symptoms. Maybe she is feeling distressed, which truly does not compare. Bitch, I have witnessed my grandma lose her hair, okay? You cannot have that hair that Belle Gibson had with freaking cancer. Not to mention starting to slur the words, lose her memory, not being able to recognize like any of us, her own daughters by the end of it, and she just cannot compute that. Cannot compute that even if she did feel anything in her fucking soul during this, that it can't compare to what people are actually going through. She cannot compute. No. Or this might not have had anything to do with a mental illness. A lot of you in the comments might think that, might think there's just absolutely nothing wrong with her, that she never felt empathy for any of these people, and that she solely saw all of the dollar signs. She saw the financial profit out of everything and thought, what can I do once I reach this plateau now to like enhance that, to improve on that even further? And that the only way she knew how to push that even further was to further fake the empathy and the sympathy with the people, and for that she had to have four extra cancers, at least logically in her head somehow. So I'd like to know what you personally feel about Belle Gibson. How do you feel after watching everything, possibly watching that whole 60 Minutes Australia video? That's truly not 60 Minutes, but sure. <laughs> with fakery in their own name. But there's one more thing that I wanted to chat about before I let you go, but you probably have all left by this point, and that is the cancellation, the cancellation culture in particular, because you have to consider to a certain degree she was an influencer on Instagram, she was a public figure. And I was thinking as I was researching this, a couple of things. But one, when they seized her property, you know, the fact that she can't go anywhere, do much, I was thinking like, okay, so is she allowed to work? How the hell is she going to make profit now to actually pay off all of her debts? Like, God forbid, she might actually need to work in customer service or just like something else to get the money and to actually work as a normal freaking human being. Tragic, I know. But also, I was thinking about what would she have to do to redeem herself? To erase the past and start from point zero. And the only thing that I could compare this to, because I was like, okay, let's say your own case, right? Let's say I monetize this channel eventually, start earning like enough money out of it. Let's translate that into like my own world. And the only thing I could compare it to is, like, let's say this is my only source of income, I'm just doing true crime videos, I'm fully immersed into this research, fully understand the background, every single case, and with the money that you pay me through YouTube, I give that money to the criminals. Like, I actually fully support, like, criminal operations, people in prison, whatever. Oh, and on top of that, I tell that the money will actually be going to, like, victims' families, victim advocates, and give them false hope, because technically that's what Belle did. She gave all of these cancer patients false hope with her book, with her diet, with her lifestyle. She knew about health, she knew about diets, she knew about nutrition, or 
basically she pretended to, I don't know what the fuck the cookbook is on about if she didn't know how to prepare food in the first place. So she was fully immersed into that world and she chose to spend that money on herself and not to give it to charities, not to give it to people that actually needed it, which is technically fraud and also just unethical on like 100 different levels. So taking that into consideration, what are your opinions? How would somebody like this redeem themselves? Do they deserve redemption in the first place? What kind of things would you need to see? Like, would you need to see that she had gone through therapy, that she has actually repented, that she has actually tried to do good work by good charities, that she isn't dressing as if she belongs to Ethiopia, calling it back home. You know, all of that good basic day one stuff that a person should do as a normal human being. Or do you believe that she should be cancelled forever because everything that has come out of her mouth, even while being investigating, was always a lie and was always some insane shit like her converting to Ethiopian culture and community. Which also... Yeah, I didn't mention on that part. It shouldn't be mentioned in the conclusion. But why do you think she did that? Because in my head, with the Facebook post, you know, the Facebook community post on the Fat Diet website, with the whole Ethiopian community, I think she was just stepping into a different community where she could maybe, again, scheme. Because if this is a community where they would meet up, you know, possibly go to church, fund their own charities, maybe she saw an opportunity to tap into another business that she could kind of scam and defraud. I don't know. I don't know why else. Why else? Why Ethiopia? Why is she showing up in a scar in 2020? This isn't like a decade ago. So I just can't make it make sense. In my personal opinion, I usually tend to look at the actions that the person has done in the aftermath of the events, in this case, criminal events. You know, have they repented? How are they acting? Did they just continue lying? And in her case, it just doesn't look like super promising, like somebody on the way to redemption. And that is also why I believe to some degree that she might have some undiagnosed mental health issues. And in terms of the cancellation culture, for me, it's really a case-by-case -case basis. But until she drastically just changes her lifestyle and doesn't do it for the wrong reasons, I ain't buying it. This was just vile. Like, her behavior, actually exploiting all of the cancer patients, just the vilest freaking, the most sinister behavior out there. So, hey, now you're aware that there are people out there that will fake cancer, even today, easily. <laughs> Which is the most frightening fucking part ever. Just how long can a person get away with something like this? So, what are your thoughts on this case? Have you been making notes on all the questions to answer to them in the comments? Probably not. My, nobody has the fucking time. I am going to say goodbye now. Don't forget to like and subscribe for more content like this. And to tell me what case you want me to talk about next. And I shall be seeing you guys soon. Did the caffeine hit like after three hours of recording? Is that what's happening right now? I don't know. On to the outtake. Yeah. Bye, guys. Bye. Okay, this should be like... They can't even see what you're doing. But this should be your outro from now on. Slap that button. Slap that time on time. Jesus Christ.
I thought of giving you a bit of BTS, you know, behind the scenes while we are watching my hair dry. So let's do that. Uh, by the way, this is exactly what you think it is because of the orange little sheet on the top. Uh, it always takes the fuck is that? <laughs> the manic energy is there. It always takes. Uh, it's promising. Did you just see what the screen? <laughs> no, my just it's invisible for them. Um, so I just ignore that. Let it repair itself for a second. That is the pumpkin spice latte. As I was saying, <laughs> that is the pumpkin spice latte. And it always takes me like at least one a year. Just kind of like I don't really go beyond that to remind me that I don't literally like this flavor. But hey. Oh wow, promising. Why didn't you tell them <laughs> you're recording today? So, we are recording today the Instagram influencer that faked cancer. And then I will record half of the episode of Scott Peterson's case. And then I will finish it tomorrow because I don't really feel like crying today. And I cried like, well, literally today because it was like 1.30 in the morning when I finished that research. So that is great. And then tomorrow, once we finish recording Scott Peterson, then I am recording the Gone Girl case. It's, it's all planned out. I really wanted to include this in the intro, but you know the garbage at like the bottom of the container? Like the garbage that even the landfills won't claim. Why? Because you know when the garbage men come to pick it up and then they flip the container? Well, the garbage at the bottom of it is like super stuck. It's, you know, it's all greased up. It's been there for quite a while. Like it's been through all of the weathers and it's just stuck there. It won't actually even flip over into a flipping truck so it goes to the landfill. Because even landfills don't want this kind of garbage. That is the kind of garbage that I think Bella Gibson is. Mm -hmm. Yeah, find me. I, I actually don't care if five million for comments. I just want you to visually picture that. Because to lie about something like this it is it's something else. I am still searching for the lo-fi thing for the background. I can type in Australia autumn and like far below somehow I show up. Listen, does that mean I'm famous? Does that mean I'm famous? Why am I <laughs> why am I there? It's a Kate Yap video. Anyways, let's go back to this. I don't know how we came to this conclusion. Does this even look good? But that is what's happening outside, so why don't you witness it on these screens? Are you ready, bitch? Are you ready? Uh, no, I'm gonna get so incensed here, I'm not even aware of the case that I'm bringing it today. Yeah, let's move this. Fuck's sake, man. Man, this cable is looser than my college vagina. Where the fuck is my <laughs> What are you on about today? Are you on fucking crack? What are you on? <laughs> Okay, no, no. Do you know how you know I'm not on crack? <laughs> Please, you know, make it make sense. Because how do you take crack? I don't know. Is it crack cocaine? Do you sniff it? Do you inject it in you? How can you be so smart in so many areas and so dumb in some? I'm not even gonna Google it because then that will be into my Google searches. Yeah, that will definitely not be the most problematic thing in your Google searches, Maya. Typically, if you were to be diagnosed with brain humor... Oh god, that was... It's not even a good joke. Maya, people have died. Your family members have died. Can you ever... 
figure out the level of inappropriate. No, this is how I survived all of the fucking things, all of the depths of everybody, the brain humor. Yeah, no, your grandma had had it spread from her lungs to the brain humor. Oh, it was hilarious. And she lost her fucking mind and couldn't remember her own daughter's hilarious. <laughs> so warm. Such fucking dark humor, like, Jesus fucking... In my opinion, it is probably that she has sort of reached the plateau where, you know, she couldn't excel more from. And, I mean, this would be also a good sign to shut the fuck up. <laughs> Hello friends! I truly did not mean to return to Australia this soon. Yeah, I literally just, you know, left the taste of Calibre. That sounds weird. <laughs> what did you say? What are you saying? Is this like lesbian one-on-one? -on -one? She's in prison for like 15 years, so no. What are you on about? I listen to too much, like my dad wrote the porn. Okay, well, clapa, let's do this. Start all over. Oh my god. <laughs>